This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. We're going to be reading out of Acts, Acts chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 10. Hopefully everybody's having a good week. Mine has been a little busy. I went to Atlanta. If you ever go to Atlanta, there's a pizza place right outside of it, Georgia Tech, about two blocks from Georgia Tech, Antico, A-N-T-I-C-O. Um, and if you do go, put a slice in the box and bring it to me, all right? It is the best pizza I've ever had in my whole life. However, um, I also felt like my life was in danger when I left the place, So, but it's very good pizza. Some of you asked, about, you know, I, used to, I whined and complained about my tooth uh, all through the month of June and July, and then I forgot to tell you what happened. It all worked out really good, and so they um, stitched it up, and for a long time, I had a little rope string in my mouth, kind of like when you get rotisserie chicken, and then they tie it up. That's what they did, and so, but I'm doing good there, and I ask that you pray for my, I think it, we would call her my grandniece. Uh, out of the blue, ready to go to school, and um, she had a seizure, and so, nine years old, and so my family is in the middle of that, so I might head down to the hospital down at St. Pete All Children's this afternoon to go visit them. Um, Again, don't forget to continue to pray for our teachers and our administrators and people who are affiliated with the school. Uh, I know it's going to be crazy tomorrow, and uh, so be careful on the road. And, you know, just be mindful, a lot of people, and then, of course, in a couple of weeks, when all our Florida State students are back, uh, it will be a zoo. So, again, just be mindful of, of all that. Now, the other day, uh, not the other day, but a few months ago, I went into a, a hardware store, and um, I was looking for something, and when I uh, couldn't find what I was looking for, I decided to go to the area where there was a worker, and he was on the computer, and then he also was on his, on his uh, smartphone. I interrupted him from doing whatever he was on his smartphone and computer, and he never really looked up at me. And then he, I asked him, hey, do you know where, um, and I was looking for electrical elbow, and, um, and he said, I don't know, I think it's in the back of the electronics. And so... And then he went back to his, his computer screen. And I kept thinking to myself, uh, he did not represent his company well. Recently, I went to, uh, I, if you ever see me come out of a pawn shop, it's not because I'm pawning stuff, right? I always wonder, like, what do people think when I come out of a pawn shop? Um, I like to I look for tools, and so I'll go to a pawn shop. Usually, I'll go to the one, um, USA one on, on North Monroe. Uh, there's a new one. I won't say which one it is. And I went in there, and, uh, and there was something I wanted to see. It was a window unit, air-conditioned u- window unit, and sometimes we need one for downstairs in our kid, kid rooms. And so uh, I asked, uh, there were some three ladies working behind the desk, and I asked them if I could, uh, if they knew if it worked well. And they said, we don't know. And typically, I've been to other pawn shops, they will plug it in for you. I said, uh, is there a place we can plug it in? And she goes, well, you can, you can bring it up here to the counter. So it would have been like from 
that brown door to here, a window unit, and they said, well, you can bring it up there. So I was really interested. So I picked it up thinking, this does not sound like good you know, business policy or company policy, letting a customer pick up a heavy AC unit. And sure enough, as I picked it up, I came down a narrow aisle. There were some uh, other tools, but some had long cords. And I literally stumbled uh, to the table and I plugged it in on their counter and they didn't budge. They did not budge. Uh, And I plugged it in and the air conditioning wasn't any good. And I kept thinking to myself, they represented their company not so well. I am positive their company policy is to not do that. You know, to them go get the air conditioning unit, to them plug it in for me as the customer. And it just dawned on me sometimes, uh, how does that make me feel when I come into a place that um, I'm not served well? Now, I'm not going in to be served, but, you know, some common courtesy. And so today, uh, last week, we talked about the word find, you know, to invite people, to find people that are, are lost. And when I say lost, maybe their days are lost. And we've all been lost, have we not? Um, I don't know, I haven't talked to my niece, but I guarantee you, she feels lost this morning. And one moment, everything's fine. They got all the backpacks ready, all the supplies are ready. And when they took a picture, you know, and she wrote to me, uh, put on Instagram on Friday, ready for school on Monday. Little did we, we, any of us know that uh, she would be in the hospital today and there will be no school for her tomorrow. She's dazed, I'm sure. She's probably lost and she, she needs someone, and I'm sure, I'm positive there is, that, but she would need someone that, to help guide her through this time of being dazed and lost and asking questions. And there are people like that all over the place. There are people like that in our room this morning. One of the blessings I have is to be able to hear your stories. And I'm always amazed when I hear your stories. I'm always amazed how you continue to do the right thing and continue to worship God and continue to follow after him in spite of the circumstances. But not everybody's as strong. You know, not everybody has the same uh, journey with Jesus and the community of faith to help one another. And so last week we talked about finding people, finding people who are lost, finding people at work, at home, in, in your community, your neighbors. And I am taking this to heart myself. And so, um, I don't know, did we show the first slide? Okay, um, the kids are gone. I didn't want to show them this. Find That's fine. That's good. We'll just stay there. I was going to show them my F report card, but we won't do that. So we're doing the four Fs. Find, feed, fight, and follow. And so now we're on week two, and we're doing the feed part. Or it's another word for, that I use then for hospitality. So H doesn't work with the four Fs, so we just use the word feed, but we're really talking about hospitality. And so when I go back to the story of the pawn shop where they made me go do something uh, that they should have done, they didn't represent the company well. I'm sure they didn't do what they were trained to do. They weren't very hospitable. And I want to challenge us as a church that we don't fall prey to that kind of mindset, that we don't... Like, we don't care. Literally, that, the first story I told you at the hardware store, that kid did not care. He did not care if I found the product. He didn't care if I bought the product or walked out of the store. 
He didn't care. And I guarantee you, he was hired to care. There's not a business policy out there. Act like you don't care. Do not serve the customer. But And I imagine, uh, I didn't even talk to Natalie, but can you imagine, because she worked for Chick-fil-A for such a long period of time, if you had a customer who didn't care. Now, uh, my little do- uh, granddaughter, um, she comes to the house, and she likes to play this game called Chick-fil-A. And we are in the pool. I have to make an order, and she's the, she's the cashier. So I have my little dinosaur, and I change my voice, and I go, I like a number number one, uh, extra pickles, well-done fries, uh, Arnold Palmer, and one Polynesian sauce. And then I say, how much? And she says, $5. And I'm like, $5? And we play this game. And then I said, thank you. And then she didn't say anything, and I said, you should say, my pleasure. And she goes, oh, no, this is not... This is McDonald's is what she said. So, so that's why she didn't say my pleasure. So she says, this is McDonald's. Um, and we've been saying that ever since. Now, turn with me to Acts chapter 10, and we're going to talk about hospitality. The next day, uh, verse 23, I'm in mid-story. He got up and went with them, and some of the believers from Joppa accompanied him. The following day, they came to Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Peter, upon his arrival, Cornelius met him and, falling at his feet, worshipped him. But Peter made him get up, saying, Stand up, I'm only mortal. And as he talked with him, he went in and found that many had assembled. So basically, Peter's coming to this guy's Cornelius' house. Cornelius drops to the ground and begins to, like, worship him. And Peter says, no, I'm just a man. And as Peter walks into the house, there are people there. And he said to them, you yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. Which is a very interesting verse. One day we'll come back and visit that one. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Do you understand? He's, he was Jewish and he was going to a non-Jewish home. And, he, and traditionally and culturally, he wasn't supposed to do that. But he says that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So I went and I came without objection. Now I may ask you why you sent for me. And Cornelius replied, four days ago, at this very hour at three o'clock, I was praying in my house when suddenly a man in dazzling Clothes stood before me. And he said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who's called Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner by the sea. He's staying at a home of a tanner. Um, and that's someone who works with leather skins, okay? Uh, not le- leather, Not leather skin, but leather, all right? I need to stay focused here. So uh, he says, uh, he works with, he's a tanner by the sea. Therefore, I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. So now all of us are here in the presence of God to listen to all that the Lord has commanded you to say. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. Let me repeat that. God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right 
and is acceptable to him, you know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus. He is the Lord of all. And I'm going to just pause there. But these are an example of uh, what I would call being hospitable or someone who's willing to feed. And when I say feed, I'm not necessarily just talking about food, but feed someone of your presence, your friendship, your community, your commune, your home. Because uh, as we know, people are out there who might be lost and they need something. We know that the answer is Jesus, but Jesus will use you and me to be that thing that they need. And so the, today's message really is making ourselves available to being uh, a, a person that Jesus can use to feed someone. So the, the point of hospitality is to invite others to experience the living, welcoming, and transforming God. The God that you serve. So when you invite someone to your home, they're not just experiencing your awesome company, your funny jokes, your wonderful food, but they're experiencing God. And so this is what's going on. But one of the things I recognize reading this story is that when you are being hospitable, you're trying to show hospitality and feed someone, it comes with risks. And so... And a lot of us are fearful of taking risks. And sometimes we are um, paralyzed by fear because of the risk. And so Peter's story is a very positive story. Uh, Cornelius sent for him. Peter accepts the invitation. Peter comes to the house and everything is gone really good. But not every Every account of someone extending an invitation works out that way. But you have to extend yourself. You have to take that step of of risk for the Lord. You might risk um, being exhausted. And I want to challenge us in our culture. It seems to me that's what we hear a lot. That everybody is tired. And I recognize, and I'm very conscientious of that. But let me challenge you. Let's not make that the go-to answer. Let's not make being tired the go-to answer for not taking a risk. And so um, we might be rejected. You might send an an invitation to someone, and they're going to say no. um, Or it just didn't work out well. And I understand that. But let's not allow fear or the risk keep us from doing what God is calling us to do which is to feed, be hospitable. Another thing that we could be risking when we offer hospitality is that we feel like we didn't get anything in return from that time. You know, one of the challenges that we had as we were growing up in the ministry, it seemed like anytime we did free food, right? It seemed like we had double the attendance, of our, our campus ministry, Chi Alpha. If we were going to do a burger bash, I mean, people came out of the woodwork for free food. And so the risk is that you're offering uh, something and there's no return. They literally grab your hamburger and, you know, they may sing a song or two and then you'll never see them again. And what they got out is free food, but there's that risk that you may not get anything 
in return. But that is not why we do things. And so there's a danger. I think I have a quote here. There's a danger of seeing hospitality as a means to gain new members. And we miss the opportunity or the point of God's, the point that God is making through hospitality. Now, in the past, you know, we would do that. We would want to be hospitable, but sometimes we would use it as bait. Sadly, we didn't know any better. And so, again, there, I don't think there's anything uh, a lot wrong with it, but there is, if you have to watch our hearts, that we're not just doing this so we can get more members. The goal of hospitality is to not get more connections. Another risk of being gracious with being hospitable, uh, that all of a sudden you're, you're reaching the wrong types of people. I remember a friend of mine, he was pastoring a church, and they began to do a bus ministry. And the bus ministry would go to neighborhoods where the parents didn't really have cars, and so they would pick up these kids and bring them to the church. And next thing you know, they had 50 kids, part of kids' church, that were not churched. And boy, it was a different um, different experience. And the church struggled with it. What do we do? The kids are ruining our stuff. They're climbing over the chairs. They're bringing soda into the sanctuary. And uh, it was a challenge. But it was a good thing. And I remember the church really working through the change. But sometimes that'll be a risk. It's like wrong people. There are no really wrong people, but maybe the perception what will we do if we attract or we connect with uh, and being hospitable with people that don't really fit in? Again, what is our motive? What is the purpose of being hospitable? And someone, inviting someone into your life can be difficult. You're thinking, well, I don't have enough time for another person. You know, I'm barely raising my own family, my own life. How do I have time for someone else? For hosting them for a meal and becoming a friend to another person. Luke, and we just read, had a very different understanding of hospitality. My, uh, and I want to pause here, my hope is that you're being motivated by God's love. So my message is not about how to manipulate you or how to you to manipulate others, how to coerce people to get involved. We're not talking about, we don't, we don't play that game anymore. I may have done that back, you know, when I was in my mid-30s in college ministry, and I didn't know any better. But today, we do know better, and we want to make sure that our motive is to glorify him, not just to fill some cues. And so, uh, we realize that it can be tough. I don't have time for another person. I, I don't know if I can give another night, or I don't know if I can give a meal. Again, I think that's... That's something we need to pray about and ask the Lord, is that just, is it, um, is it that our endurance is not that good? You know, we could be saying, well, I can't run 100 yards. Well, it could be that we, we should be to a point where we should be able to run 100 yards. Does that make sense? You, you know what I'm saying? But if we keep saying, oh, I can't run, well, then maybe, you know, begin to develop a stamina that you can run 100 yards. 
So the ancient custom of hospitality revolved around the practice of welcoming strangers and travelers into one's home, providing for them provisions and protections. And if you understand a little bit about old, you know, ancient customs, uh, sometimes they thought they were, they were entertaining uh, supernatural beings. And so in, in the, the world of the old ancient world, they really thought that sometimes strangers coming to your house, uh, you had to go, you had to throw out the red carpet because they may look like a bum, but they're really not a bum. They are Zeus, a Greek god, uh, the, uh, the god of hospitality. So you just went overboard to help them. But do you see the motive, the, the wrong motive there is that somehow if I host this person, I'm going to get something out of it. I'm going to get a connection. I'm going I'm to be friends. I'm going to host Zeus. And Peter is going to uh, put that aside. He's going to challenge the church, the New Testament church, that that's a game that we don't play. And so, uh, you know, if you see someone or you host someone, you uh, would clean their clothes, you would wash their feet, and you would feed them, and you would go the extra mile to help them. And if they were leaving, you would make sure they had food on their travels and that you would take care of them. But the motive was that somehow you have made a connection. And so, as I said, that's the way it was done in the Greco-Roman world, but there was also... A, Another motive, and I think I have a quote here, there was a strong desire to create a political alliance with others by offering them hospitality on their journey. It's connection. And one of the things I I want us to be careful is that I hope, and I don't think here, but I've heard, and maybe other churches, sometimes people go to a certain church because there are a lot of people of influence. And so you're thinking, I can make connections. And so that is not really the biblical principle of being hospitable and reaching out and opening your life and feeding someone the, uh, what you have, which is, I believe, God, God's presence, his peace, his joy, and, of course, your friendship. And, again, in the old days, it was how to create political alliance, how to, how to uh, make social alliances. But in the Christian context... The motive for hospitality grew out of desire to please God. So we're going to be inundated with new people in our church, in our community. And I'm asking the Lord, because Lord, help me and help us as a church to open our eyes to look for people who are lost. I'm not just talking spiritually lost, but just lost. And so... The second thing is, Lord, open my time, my calendar, my, my, my book so I can fit someone into my life. And, Lord, and if I can't fit, if I can't fit a, a person into my life, then there's something that needs to be adjusted. So the motive for hospitality is, to, is the desire to please God by showing love towards his fellow imager. Did I write imager? It's, it's, um, PowerPoint's exploded there, but imager, we are all created in God's image. Are we not? Yesterday in Atlanta, there was this girl uh, at the gas station asking for money. 
that young girl is created in God's image. So I, I, if I'm a believer, you can't treat someone with disrespect. You, are, you would be disrespecting the creator. And so when we see each other, they may not look, they may not look like family. They may not look like you or may not look like us. But that doesn't mean we cannot extend the hand of fellowship. They are made in God's image. And we, we need to treat people in, in, in the way that we honor God because they are a fellow imager. And then we do that to glorify him, not to make a social connection. Why would we not reach out to um, this homeless? She wasn't homeless. I'm sure she was um, a prostitute. I'm sure she was. Made in God's image. But if our motive is just, what, what, can, she give, what can she give for us? Probably nothing. And so we like, okay, we're not going to reach out to her. That's, that's worldly. That's carnal. It's carnal. Spiritual is like, ah, there's a person who's made in God's image. What can I do to bless her? Seems like when I was there pumping gas, people were just, you know, she was invisible. She's not invisible to God. And so we are agents of his grace. Now, uh, Jewish and early Christian followers of God showed their love for God by others extending hospitality to complete strangers. And so when we read the New Testament and we see how they and how as believers understand what hospitality is, we take it as we are ministering And we could be ministering to angels, but we're definitely ministering to imagers, people who are made in God's image. Uh, Let me just read here a little bit. I'm almost through. It is school weekend, so let's, let's not take too long here. I'm sure you have lots to do this afternoon. When Peter was staying at someone's house who was a tanner, he was not supposed to be there. Tanners, uh, it's, it's a filthy job, it's a smelly job, and it's, it's considered unclean. But P- Peter was taking time to spend with a, a person, a believer, I believe it was a believer, who was not uh, culturally acceptable. And so I love that about the story of Peter, who's willing to uh, not just be a good Jewish boy, but to be a good believer and to associate and become friends and extend the hand of fellowship to someone who would not fit in his cultural norm. And then Cornelius extends, uh, a Gentile extends his hand of fellowship to Peter. And Peter begins, the second part of hospitality is not only just being, you know, uh, I'm hosting and they come and I want to bless them, But a believer, if you're being hosted, also leaves his mark and blesses the host. And so if you're invited somewhere, I pray that you become a blessing. Um, I'm not perfect at this, but in any way, I stayed at a friend's house yesterday uh, in Atlanta. And uh, we took up his uh, bottom floor. It's like a a separate apartment. And uh, Melissa and my wife came with us and... The very first thing we did was, when I say we, it was really my wife and Melise, okay? 
I'll take the credit. They gave her a gift. The host, uh, her name was Jessica. It was her home. We were staying in her home. I knew them well. My wife and daughter did not know them at all. It was a little awkward staying at people's house. But they brought a gift. And they were shocked. And they've had lots of people stay at their house. They live pretty close to the airport. And they're kind of, you know, people know them. They're, they're well known. And he actually said, it was the first time somebody ever left and gave them a gift. And I believe someone who is a believer should also be uh, a good, good to the host and leave a mark. And so that's what I think what's going on with Peter and he begins to bless them. Now, I believe hospitality, when we, when we feed someone, it's the vehicle that God uses to open up people's hearts. When you open up your home, it's, it, you're opening up people's hearts and people's, you know, willing to, to have conversation. And so hospitality is the bridge that covers the gap. I think it's a quote up here. The gap between people of different regions and cultures and being integrated into the family of God. So another challenge is to please don't just extend your hand to those who are just like you. If you're going to do that, I mean, honestly, that's the model what we see on campus with the Greek life. I mean, if you look at a Greek chapter, they basically are monolithic. They all look the same. They come from the same, uh, pol- typically same political background, same social economic background. And that's what you have. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it is what it is. But the Christian body should not be like that. And so as believers, let's make sure that we are being used as, to the Lord to bridge the gap between different people who come from different regions, different cultures, different social economic uh, situations in their lives. So what are we going to do as I finish here? We're going to rebuke the concept that we don't have time. One of my favorite comedians, Brian Regan, is a whole comedy scene about him going to see the eye doctor. Anybody seen the eye doctor? Brian Regan, you know? And he didn't realize he, didn't, he couldn't see. And the, the, the caption of the joke is, I didn't have time. I didn't have time to go see good. You know, this is what he says. I didn't have time to see better. Which is silly. Because we want to all see better. So we got to go see the doctor and get our glasses in. And so, again, let's... Let's dispel the notion that there is not enough time, but it could be that we don't have enough stamina to allow one more person to come in to the fellowship of Christ. In a few weeks, we're going to ask you to invite people to a meal September 2nd. I think it's a Sunday. That's Labor Day weekend. Uh, We want you to invite your friends. Go find them and invite them. But I am not asking you to drop your friends off here so that I can feed them. Does that make sense? I cannot be uh, 30 people's new best friends. But you can be that person's good friend. See, the old concept or maybe a cultural concept, the Christian concept is come to a big event, come to a location, and I'm going to release myself of the responsibility of being a good, hospitable person. That is not the Jesus model. 
And so maybe that's where the tension comes in. Well, I don't, I don't have time. And if I don't have time, I don't have another room for another person in my life. So I'm not going to do that. And I'm asking us that maybe the Lord will help us with our endurance issue. Because we all have the same amount of time. We all have the same seconds and minutes and hours. So help us. Help us, Lord, that we're not going to fall prey to the excuse that I don't have time. We're going to ask, Lord, if we don't really, if we think we don't have time, to increase our capacity. And listen, we don't offer hospitality because it is something we should do. It is because it's who we are. So if you're not expressing and showing hospitality, you are lacking um, an earmark of what it means to be a Christian. There are a lot of earmarks. One would be joy of the Lord. We should be the most, one of the most joyful people on the planet. But I've met some really mean believers. Have you ever met some mean believers? Don't point them out. We should be filled with joy. We should be filled with gratitude. We should be the most gracious people on earth. There's an old book. Maybe one or two would know this book, but it used to be Christians, the happiest people on earth. We should be, and then we should literally as believers, as we're following Jesus, be the most hospitable. It should just be part of our, our nature. Again, it's maybe because, um, and I'm not asking you to be more hospitable. You know what I'm going to ask? Ask us to be more like Christ. Let's be more like Christ. And so as we close here in a second here, I'm not asking you to try harder. I'm asking you to pray and ask the Lord to, and fall in love with him more, that he would begin to uh, increase your capacity to be hospitable, to feed someone that's lost. Find and feed. If we're going to grow up as a, as a believer in our journey with Jesus, it should be something that should come naturally. Now you're thinking, Pastor Mario, I don't have a home to invite someone. Uh, and I understand that, you know, we live in a very transient community. But you do have time. You have a time for a meal. You can meet at a coffee shop and give of yourself to, uh, as a vehicle for God to bridge. Uh, and, and so people can come and experience a relationship with, with God and Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to pray here in a second. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Let's do that now. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us. Help me. I'm not immune to this. So this is a message for me as well. Lord, I pray, God, that we would, our, our purpose is not uh, in carnal. But Lord, our purpose is to glorify you when you're calling us to find and feed. Lord, that we would honor you and express love for Jesus by extending our hand of fellowship, of being hospitable. And Lord, give us wisdom not to just reach out to people we would normally hang out with in social or economic status. Lord, I pray, God, that you would use us these next few weeks, Lord, to be 
used by you in, to help people who are who may be dazed, who might be confused, who might be lost. Lord, I believe that there's enough Jesus in all of us, Lord, that we can make a difference in someone's life. The power of the invite shows that you care about the imager and the in his creation. So thank you, Father. Lord, be with us this week. Pray for every parent, every child, every student, every person working with the school system. I pray for blessing and peace. And uh, Lord, give them a joy uh, that they would not be based on circumstances, but by your goodness. We love you, Father. And Lord, help us to see with your eyes this week. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.